The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. What is happening? What is going on? Welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show here on Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Monday, September 27, 2021. Media day was today for the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to go over some top quotes from the day as training camp is set to open, basketball is back, baby. It is back. And we have a special, special guest that will be with us throughout the entire program. We're going to go over the Eastern Conference as well, the landscape of things. We already talked about where I think the Hawks were fit in that conversation. But let's talk about the other changes around the Eastern Conference and in the Southeast Division in which the Hawks call home and they were the champs of last year. So we're going to get into all this after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them. But if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code Hootball to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. Ah, we are back. I wanted to channel my Colin Cowherd uh, energy. I didn't, I didn't like it. I don't think my guest will either. He's back. The analyst you love to love. There's no hate involved with him. My homie. King Drip himself. David Bracey is back on the program. David, how are we doing this evening? Oh, Brad, well, I see your aha, and I give you an or nah, okay? Because, yeah, that definitely ain't going to be the way to roll, okay? You know how I feel about Colin Cowherd over here. No disrespect to you, just not my cup of tea. I'm a coffee guy myself. 
Um, but I'm feeling good over here, man. I'm feeling good. I'm very, very excited to be a part of your illustrious program. As always, it's a pleasure to communicate with you, especially when we get to communicate about the NBA, and most specifically, your Atlanta Hawks. So I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to get into it as well. It's always, you know, love and happiness and some debate when we talk about the NBA. And it's not going to be a lot of debating today, maybe not in the first half of the program, but maybe the latter half, talking about the Eastern Conference. But we're going to get right into it. Hawk Media Day. It was today. And the themes that I kind of took from the comments from the players, coaches, and whatnot were focused, driven, and you can feel the energy uh, in what they're saying. Like, this team knows the assignment this year. And it starts with their head honcho, the head coach. Interim tag is gone. Thankful for that. The head coach for the Atlanta Hawks, Nick McMillan. Nick McMillan talked about his staff first, uh, talking about Chris Jett is going to be the lead assistant for the Atlanta Hawks. And he praised the former assistant who moved on uh, from the staff. Uh, Marlon Garnett for his work with the guard specifically and says that new assistant Nick Van Exel will be tasked with that same job, helping out the guards for the Hawks, which is no surprise because Nick Van Exel was a one two guard in the NBA for a lot of years and was an all star one year. Um, and Nick McMillan also talked about that he already has had several players in town since the last week of August already preparing for this year. And then we talk about the injury bug, which I'm going to, you know, open this up to David once I talked about the quote that he talked about some players not being available uh, for the duration of camp. Asked about guys, Herder, Capella, Bogey, and DeAndre Hunter, who will all be limited health-wise going into camp. Nick McMillan said that all of them, quote-unquote, should be ready to go on opening night, but does not know how much or if they're going to play any minutes in the pre, in the preseason and uh, the Hawks will have um, two a day practices starting once trade camp starts. So um, I'm personally not worried about um, the four players mentioned Herder, Capella, Bogey and Hunter not, you know, playing a lot of minutes in the preseason or practicing a ton. I just rather them be healthy. And like I said, we just want them ready to go for Thursday, October 21st versus the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, but it is something to note and monitor. Uh, so I wanted to get your takes on uh, the injury report going into Hawks training camp, David. Yeah, you know, they got a couple guys who are a little banged up here. Um, you know, they say the best ability is availability. So hopefully all of them will be able to go, uh, if not necessarily on opening night, as you had previously alluded to. Um, for the majority of the season because they're all very, very important pieces to the Hawks' success in their own individual ways. Um, the first three guys you mentioned, Herder, Capella, and Bogdanovich, we've seen a little bit more of recently than the latter, uh, being Hunter. And, you know, obviously that's because he missed a lot of the season last year sporadically with his injuries. Um, so, you know, if the Hawks have a fully healthy season, their roster only gets deeper. That's one of the biggest benefits to um, this Atlanta franchise. Um, and and, you know, their their willingness to kind of make a lot of the moves that we saw them make um, in past off seasons. So they, they've continued to to show a lot of improvement um, and they've continued to show a lot of hunger, as you you also alluded to. So, um, you know, I think all those guys, you can expect them to want to get back, want to be available, want to help their team win games. 
Um, and that's definitely something you're always looking for, especially in all those guys being younger guys. You expect them to be able to, you know, bounce back a little bit quicker from injuries. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that depth here shortly. And we're going to talk about the excitement uh, for the players here shortly as well. Uh, Nate McMillan was asked about Deon, uh, Danilo Gallinari's uh, role, and he opened by referencing that it's going to be the same role as last year. And then Danilo Gallinari in media day also noted that the Hawks only had their healthy rotation for one game last year, David, just one, which I am hoping, you know, with with more people healthy this year, we can use Gallinari a little bit more sparingly and make him more effective when he's in and not leave him out to drive with bad defensive matchups. Uh, and you alluded to the the depth, the depth that this team has is something that is really going to give them an advantage, especially when they added veterans uh, coupled with this team. We're going to talk about one here. Um, David Millen was asked about adding DeLon Wright, and he said that uh, he's been a longtime fan of DeLon Wright's game and praised his versatility, being able to play on and off the ball with different lineups. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about DeLon Wright a little bit later, but as far as health is concerned, um, and we're going to we're, we're going to I'll go ahead and get your take now and then we're going to see how your take fits in with the landscape of the Eastern Conference. But where do you see the Hawks barring health ending up this year as far as seeding in the East? Well, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now um, in the Eastern Conference, and I think it's not due to a lack of talent. So you definitely have to appreciate that. They're far from the Eastern Conference, as they were previously called. Um, it's really just a question of, like I said, availability. You know, it, does Brooklyn have a fully healthy roster uh, or specifically vaccinated roster? Um, that's going to impact, you know, mm-hmm. where they sit in the standings. Milwaukee, you know, how do they look losing PJ? Um, Giannis, you know, coming off of this championship run. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton coming off of their Olympic championship on top of their NBA championship. Um, you know, a lot of miles on those guys. Where do they look? How do they look during the regular season? Uh, where do the Knicks fall, you know, with the new talent they brought in? And, you know, in reverse, where do the Celtics fall with the talent that walked out of the door? Uh, Miami is an interesting question due to, you know, the veteran rosters that they have. So there's a lot of variance and a lot of possibility in the East. I definitely would not anticipate the Hawks being anything lower than a five seed. Um, but again, you know, a lot can happen. That's, that is, you know, banking on them having a fully healthy roster, which as you, you know, previously said, they won one of those games last year. So the conference got better. Um, I think if the Hawks are healthy, you can say that they got better. So hopefully those two things kind of move in tandem. And if so, uh, I would expect the Hawks have a good season again because they're young. You know, when a lot of these teams during the regular season are more apt to rest guys uh, to kind of preserve themselves for the playoff push, you would expect the Hawks to really let it fly. So I'm going to be looking out for that. I'm going to obviously be looking out for it as well, uh, covering Hoopball Hawks here uh, in the great city of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, But uh, we're going to definitely talk about the landscape of the East more so later in the program, um, which you alluded to the success last year and what's going to make them successful this year. And speaking on last year's success, many Hawks have talked about reflecting on it but also putting it in their you know, rearview mirror as they're looking forward to the 2021-2022 NBA season. Uh, Lou Will talked about how he got goosebumps 
about the local support during Atlanta's playoff run last year and also mentioned that uh, that was not the case in his first stint with the Atlanta Hawks. And then you have Bogey uh, said in his mind, you know, we need to forget what happened last year or set new goals and try to reach them this season. Kevin Herter talked about we finally have some carryover and that they have a similar group coming back indicated that that is something they've, you know, that they haven't had before. Um, having some carryover, having pretty much the, your entire roster and the key pieces of your roster coming back and said there's going to be a lot of competition in training camp and that they're going to be a deep team and that will be their strength, which you alluded to. Healthy, deep, should put them in the top half of the Eastern Conference this year. And uh, Bogey also talked about one goal is taking advantage of home court in the regular season and build on it. Um, we saw the support that Atlanta brought out during the playoff run, and we want to see that continued support in regular season games, night in and night out, because we see the effect that crowd in Atlanta and the State Farm Arena can have on the opposing team. If they're there, they're engaged, and they're watching great basketball being played. And so that's something that the Hawks want to build upon, uh, build upon momentum of you know, making, you know, the State Farm Arena one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. And it's about taking that next step this year. Lou Will was asked about what's the next step for the Hawks and said that, like everyone else, echoing their sentiments. They need to build on last year, understand that they're not going to be sneaking up on teams this year. Uh, we're not an underdog anymore. That's what he said. And as a group, he also continued to say that we have to understand that the route that we're going on is going to get harder. As it goes through Solomon Hill, another leader on this team, echoed those same sentiments and said that they should have a chip on their shoulder of trying to get better since they're not underdogs anymore. And then finally, Trey Young talked about everyone's ready to play. We're very eager to go out there, play, have fun and try to shock the world again and said that they've been hearing all the stuff around the league and not a lot of it is about the Hawks. And that's a quick question I'm going to ask before we talk a little bit more about Trey Young is, um, these comments you hear, David, what, what sense do you get about this team, you know, heading into this year? And um, as far as, you know, their focus level and if they're caught up in the hype or they're being humbled and being realistic about what they're about to embark on for the next year. Yeah, that's a great question. Um I mean, you know, I think people have been maybe a little too quick to write off the Hawks' successful season as kind of a, you know, a lightning in a bottle, if you will. Um, I think there's a lot of long-term sustainability and viability with the way that they've built their roster with the pieces that they have in place, um, not only in their front office and coaching staff, but specifically the talented players that they have on their roster, you know, retaining John Collins, getting Trey Young signed to that big deal. Bogdanovich, um, their continued development of a lot of their younger players. I think that there's a lot of potential for this team to not only repeat the success that they had, um, but continue to build upon it. Now, do I think that they're going to necessarily be, um, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals again? You know, you know, I love you, Brad, but I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, my man. I, I'm not going to pick them to go that far. Um, but again, you know, with the, with the situation in Philadelphia kind of falling apart with uh, you know, us not really knowing where Milwaukee's guys are at um, as far as fatigue from a, a very, very busy offseason. Um, anything really is possible, you know. So the, the East is pretty open, as is the West. Um, you know, the title favorites are who they are, but 
I think a lot of the scrutiny coming from the Atlanta Hawks or coming to the Atlanta Hawks specifically is because, as I said, you know, nobody really expected them to be in the Eastern Conference finals as quick as they were. Um, and they had every right to be there. They won each round of those games um, and they won it in, you know, a, a very, very convincing fashion, I will say. Um, so you can't take anything away from them in that regard. But the league is currently and, you know, has already you know, changed a lot of the rules about how they're going to be refereeing and, you know, watching the game. And a lot of that is because of the Atlanta's franchise play, player, Trey Young, um, you know, and the way he has manipulated calls um, and, you know, the the offense in, in favor of generating contact that isn't what you would necessarily call natural. So the Hawks and Trey Young specifically kind of had a target on their back going into this coming season uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but again, you know, the way that teams respond to adversity is really what ultimately is going to be defining um, for how we view them in the league. And Trey Young really, you know, he answered the call and then some when adversity presented itself in Madison Square Garden. So I'm very excited to see how he responds to the test this season. Um, I'm very excited to see how the Hawks come together as a whole. And most importantly, I, I always enjoy watching Nate McMillan um, and just his ability to really get the most out of his guys. Um, and in a long regular season and hopefully a full one in the age of COVID, um, he's going to need all his guys uh, night in and night out. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And you alluded to Trey Young and McMillan, and uh, they asked, uh, asked uh, Nate McMillan about the next steps for Trey Young. Uh, and he's saying that he's looking for him to make his teammates even better this year. Uh, Trey Young talked about how fun of an offseason it was. And he definitely had some rest and relaxation, but he also put in that work this offseason. He said he was focused on improving across the board and said that he also is really trying to make sure he comes into camp in great shape, uh, which is always something you want to hear from your uh, your top dog who's going to get the most minutes and your franchise player is being in the best shape possible to obviously take this team to the next level. When the media questioned him about the next step in his development, Trey Young says that he does not shoot enough mid-range uh, shots, which I agree, and he's trying to add that and perfect that. Um, and he said that he it will – make it harder for the defense to guard him because it's an, another area on the floor to guard Trey Young. You already have to guard him as soon as he crosses half court because he can shoot those deep three-pointers. But if he's consistently hitting the mid-range jumper, you know, watch out NBA. And I, and I love hearing that he is working on, on that mid-range shot because I think everyone needs to have it to be a triple threat score, like I like to say. Shoot from three, shoot the mid-range game, and get to the cup. But my thing that I wanted to hear is efficiency. And obviously you can't practice or train on that in the offseason. That's a lot of film. And also that takes a lot of reps with your team. Um, but what is your thoughts as far as, you know, next steps in Trey Young's development? And if uh, the mid-range jumper is the, you know, he hit the, you know, hammer on the nail or is it efficiency like I mentioned? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Um I don't think Trey Young is specifically, you know, bad in the mid-range, at least not to, to my recollection. Um, I think it's just about, you know, continuing to expand his game, you know, improving those floaters. Um, a lot of those shots that in the previous season he could rely on him generating contact to get him to the free throw line, uh, you know, as opposed to him having to finish the shot. Uh, this season he's not necessarily going to get that opportunity. So I think that that's just kind of what he's alluding to. Um, that's a very good point. standpoint. 
Yeah, absolutely. Very good point, so yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that that's appropriate. And, you know, from the efficiency standpoint, I mean, Trey Young likes to shoot the ball. Like, there's <laughs> there's, there's really no way around that. So that's going to be a continued evolution in his game as he, you know, starts to feel more comfortable in the league and, and with the level of game that he has. Um, and as it continues to adjust, because one thing that we see season after season, um, at least at present, um, is that these NBA offenses continue to get more and more supercharged and high octane. So he's going to continue to get all the opportunity in the world to shoot. Um, he's their best player. He's their closer. He's their best scorer. There's no questions to any of those. Or there's no, there's, there's no, the only answer to any of those questions is Trey Young. So, I mean, efficiency, like I said, it'll come. Um, he's young. This is something that young guys perpetually struggle with. Yeah, and just want to see that, you know, assist-to-turnover ratio be a little cleaner. Uh, he's third in the NBA in total turnovers last year behind uh, Luka and Harden um, in that regard. Uh, sorry, no, not Harden. Luka and uh, Russell Westbrook. Obviously, Harden didn't play enough games to get up there, but he would be up there, too. Um, as He's typically up there as far as turnovers, but... Uh, that's something that I definitely want to continue to see. Get that turnover number down um, as the team continues to get better around him. Um, he can pick his spots better. So maybe his three point shooting goes up, his two point shooting uh, percentage goes up as well. And if he's hitting the mid range jumper, maybe that lifts up his percentages as well, being more efficient from the floor, uh, shooting ball. But he's going to get his shots, of course, like you said and alluded to. He's the best player on the team. And um, Trey Young ended. You know, the media day, the big media day comments talking about, again, how much of a fan that he was outside of, you know, Nate McMillan of DeLon Wright's game and talked about his versatility, ability to get to the rim, navigate the pick and roll. and says that he can defend multiple spots. I love the DeLon Wright signing as a backup point guard. Uh, you bring in somebody with size, you bring in someone who can distribute the ball, can do play in the pick and roll, defend multiple positions, get to the rim. Um, I'm curious. um to get your opinion of the DeLon Wright sighting, uh, David, especially, and I talked about this, it moves Lou Will off the ball, off the bench, uh, where he can just be the two guard and just focus on scoring instead of distributing. So I want to, you know, pick your brain as far as the overall signing of DeLon Wright uh, to the, for the Hawks this year. You know, I hope that uh, he's a little bit more valuable to them than, Chris Dunn was last season. Um, I find I find them very similar as far as player type. Um, I like DeLon a little bit better than Chris Dunn. I think DeLon has a little bit um, less limitations on his game. Um, but again, this is a guy who, you know, is going to be primarily there for his defensive ability and his playmaking ability when Trey Young is getting rest. Um, so I think that he could be, you know, a valuable backup. Um, he has been really good, you know, in in the in the spots where, you know, there's been a guy out of rotation or, you know, in you know meaningful backup minutes. For example, you know, in Detroit, um, in Dallas, uh, et cetera. So when Delon Wright's given, you know, the opportunity and the modicum amount of minutes, um, he could definitely be a, a valuable contributor um, to, you know, a second string offense in the NBA. So uh, definitely, definitely not a bad pickup by any means. Yeah. And if he's coming off the bench and depending on who they start at the two guard uh, for him to have that size and ability to defend um, and distribute the ball, you're potentially distributing the ball to Lou Will, to Kevin Herter, to Bogey, to Reddish, depending on, like I said, what the starting lineup is for the Hawks. 
Um, I, I think it is. I think it's going to even make that second unit even more potent um, because, like I said, DeLon Wright can get to the cup and finish. He can uh, shoot the three. He's not a bad three-point shooter in the NBA. Um, and obviously with him being a bigger point guard, uh, he's going to have some mismatches, uh, especially with the smaller guards that are in the East. So I'm off the bench. So I just really am excited to see how he fits in with his offense and how his playmaking ability can unlock uh, other aspects for other players um, from this Hawks bench. And uh, do you agree, disagree there? Or am I giving him too much uh, praise on that regard? No, when you say too much praise, uh, what exactly would you mean? Uh, more than, you know, DeLon Wright normally gets uh, on a daily basis from the NBA media. I mean... I think for a guy who's coming into your franchise, it, it makes sense for, you know, you to be high on him. There's a lot of potential. Um, he fills a very, very valuable role um, to that team, to that roster. So, and, you know, at this point, DeLon Wright is, you know, a pretty seasoned veteran. He's been in the league for a good amount of years. Um, he's been on a good amount of teams. So I, I would hope that as long as he's healthy, he's able to, like I said, be, be you know, a key contributor to this team. But, um, you know, hey, I mean, he's he's far from you know uh, an everyday an everyday name in the NBA, but hey, playing with the Atlanta Hawks that could change. It could it could change, and like like you mentioned, I just there's a lot of possibility there. And um, this next guy who his comments, you know, really didn't like take me aback, but I'm just like this guy wants to be a leader on this team. He wants he he's bought in, and it's a uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, in his comments, he said it's rare in the NBA, and uh, Kevin Herter alluded to this as well earlier in his comments, to keep almost the entire roster together and to go with, you know, to go with some new additions. He said now, as far as this year, it's on us. He said, I'm glad that I can play with the same teammates uh, that I got to know last year. We know what we can do and what we need to do to be better. And he also talked about his main goal personally is to stay healthy and be available as much as possible this year. He wants to play every game that he possibly can, and he spent most of the offseason working on his body so he can be more durable. Last year, he did miss 29 games due to injury, and I said that he is probably one of the most vital pieces to the Hawks' success in the regular season. And so uh, for Bogey, outside of health, uh, which is, you know, constant variable for a lot of players on his Hawks roster. Uh, what else are you looking for from Bogdanovich this year, David? I'm definitely looking for Bogdanovich to step up big time offensively. Um, you know, we talked about DeLon Wright, you know, being important for his playmaking ability as an accessory to Trey Young. Well, Bogdanovich, I mean, they're paying that guy to be big time. He needs to be. He's very talented. Uh, we know what he can do. Um, Honestly, on both ends of the court, I think his defensive potential has really, for the most part, been untapped. And a lot of that is due to the fact he spent, you know, so many years in such an unstable franchise um, in Sacramento. So now that he's, you know, kind of getting some consistency as far as his role on the team, um, there's a lot of opportunity for him here. So I, I'm really looking forward to him, to his production um, from a fantasy perspective. I'm definitely targeting him. Um, so stay away from him if you're listening to this and you're in a draft with me, Brad. Anyone else? You stay away from him, okay? I I, I knew I knew you were gonna shoot a shot as soon as I, I heard your comments. I knew you were about to go. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, all is fair in love and war. You know what they say? 
especially in fantasy basketball. I'll remember that. <laughs> I, I know you will. I know you will as you're always at the top of the standings and I'm uh, usually knocking at the door right behind you there. And we're going to talk about another vet. Uh, made, made a really poignant comment, um, I would like to say. And it's Lou Will. Lou Will, who was on the brink of retirement, potentially when he got traded from the Clippers to Atlanta, he ended up sticking out. And Atlanta proved him wrong in a lot of regards. He didn't know about, you know, how Atlanta was going to perform. He didn't know if this was a championship organization. Obviously, the Clippers have not won an NBA title, but, you know, they're trying to win an NBA title. They're loudly trying to win an NBA title with, you know, some of the signings and the moves that they've made uh, over the last few years. And obviously how loud uh, Steve Ballmer can be on the sideline cheering for the Clippers. Uh, but he didn't know what he was getting into Atlanta. And he knew it was home. Obviously, he's from Gwinnett County here in Georgia. But uh, now he's like to the point where he says, I'm at the point in my career. Anything is possible. Um, anything at this point, anything positive is a cherry on top. Uh, said that he's a proven pro. He's pretty much mastered coming off the bench. Individually, he doesn't have not. He doesn't personally have a lot to left to prove. Uh, but he's looking for in wanting to compete for a championship. And I know we talk about on this program loosely the championship window for the Hawks. I think it's coming. Um, I don't know if Lou Will will be here. That does happen. I pray that he does, uh, barring health, and if he decides he wants to continue to play in the NBA. Um, but competing for championships, I think, is something in the near future. I think we have to get through this, whatever's going to happen in Philly, uh, Milwaukee, and then obviously the Brooklyn Nets, I think, will have something to say, strongly to say about, you know, who wins the NBA title in the next three years. Um, so I would love for Lou Will to be here and win a championship with the Hawks, and I think it is doable in the future, depending on the trajectory of this team and what moves they make in the future. Um, so, but as far as Lou Will in the sunset of his career here in Atlanta, um, what do you think about these comments? I mean, I, I feel like this is something that normal vets say and do, um, but does it speak volumes that he decided to come back to Atlanta and he mentioned comments about competing for championships? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think Lou Will is a guy who still believes he has a lot to give. Um, and, you know, a championship is definitely something that I think no NBA player wants to retire without at least being able to compete for. So Lou Will definitely, I mean, he's comfortable being back home. He he definitely loves the direction of the franchise. You hear him talk about, uh, you know, how much he enjoys being the vet in that locker room. So I definitely think, you know, these comments are reflective of who will, you know, buying in and not only buying in, but really believing in, in the Hawks as, you know, having a future in championship contention, because I think that that is, is very, very real for them. And, uh, and like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. That's for another day. Uh, I'm in this next player, no disrespect. We're going to use this next player to segue into two other players for the Hawks. And it's Solomon Hill, a guy who I'm really glad the Hawks brought back for his leadership uh, for his veteran presence and his intensity in practice. And um, he also he was asked about his leadership, uh, which he said that he was glad that he was brought back for the very reason of his leadership. And he loves that he has an open door policy with his teammates and that people are just, you know, willing to hit him up and ask him for his insight and, and 
give him them encouragement. He really likes uh, the young wings for the Atlanta Hawks and Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. He thinks the word of world of them. That's what he said in his media day comments. So that's going to be a segue into Cam Reddish, who we talked about a lot this offseason. Uh, Cam Reddish in media day said that he went back. He did not obviously play in summer league. He had his two really good games to end the postseason last year that got a lot of Hawks fans excited. And he said he went back home to Philly this summer, um, got some good work in with his trainer in the offseason. Uh, Cameron says that he feels great. He's definitely 100 percent healthy. He's looking forward to the season. And he said that he has been working a lot on his jumper and that his shooting is a top priority. Now, I like I like what I hear. Yes. I want him to be a more consistent shooter and get his percentages up. I like to hear this from Cam Reddish. I want to see him drive to the cup more with his size and get to the free throw line. Um, I feel like a lot of players in the Hawks need to do that and not settle for jump shots or threes. Um, but I like that he's working on his shooting. But I'm, I, And I like that he's 100% healthy because I want 66 games out of Cam Reddish this year. 62 or however many games they play. Just in case COVID um, has to ha- happens to affect the schedule, but I want at least 66 games this year. What is your thoughts on Cam Reddish going into this year? How do you feel about him improving your shooting? And my comments of I want 66 games of, of healthy Cam Reddish. Well, I guess I share that sentiment with the linebacker known as Solomon Hill. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential <laughs> oh. for it. <laughs> I think that there's wow. a lot of potential for Cam Reddish. Yeah, I went there. Uh, that was uh, below the belt, below, most specifically around the ankle. Uh, I think Reddish, you know, has a lot of potential. That's why in, in the little amount of run that he got at the end of the season there, you had a whole bunch of franchises interested in him should he have been available for potential trade. Um, and he wasn't. You know, there's a reason. Uh, people really gushed about him going into his season at Duke. You know, people were really high on him when the Hawks drafted him, um, and he people continue to be. He looked very, very good in the preseason minutes that I saw last season, um, leading into last season. Uh, so I definitely think, you know, Reddish, Reddish and Hunter both are going to be very, very important to this franchise as far as their continued development offensively as contributors around Trey Young, um, you know, because the more talented that the roster is around him, the more both he and the Hawks of the franchise will flourish, but also in their defensive ability, because these are two big, lanky wing guys. And we know how valuable those type of players are in the modern NBA. So if you can have two of them ascending together um, with real potential on both ends of the court, I mean, it, it, it's looking pretty good in Boston right now. I don't know why. Atlanta couldn't have something similar. Yeah, and it's looking good in Phoenix as well with uh, Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges out there for the Suns. Um, Absolutely. I kind of I see Herder, I'm mean, sorry, not Herder, um, I like Herder as well, but Hunter and Reddish being the Eastern Conference versions of Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. So, and, and I keep talking about it on this program that it hurt to watch their success in the playoffs not hurt, but I was happy for the Phoenix Suns. It hurt to see Bridges and Johnson doing their thing, and Hunter and Reddish weren't healthy throughout the playoff run to show their thing uh, to the rest of the NBA. So um, you, you mentioned DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter was 
you know, the president media day as well. He said that he's feeling pretty good and he's almost back to 100 percent coming back from his injury. He said that he will see how he feels during training camp, has no ideas about minutes or restrictions or anything of that like that at this point in juncture. Um, He says that his goal is to improve in every aspect from last year. He prides himself in being an all around player on both ends, which you alluded to both of these players being really good defenders. And them continue to make strides in our offensive game. Uh, we know Hunter is very consistent in his offensive game. We loved his ability to hit the mid-range jumper uh, last year. He, his three-point shooting percentage did take a little dip. Uh, so see if he can improve shooting as well as Cam Reddish. But we we all know what they can do on a defensive end. And uh, I know we did. I kind of had a you know a, a slip and mentioned Kevin Herter. He's next on the list. We're gonna talk about Kevin Herter, uh, who is coming in with an ankle injury. And on his ankle, he said he's doing good after the playoffs. He said I think a week later uh, he had uh, his ankle cleaned up. Uh, just had a lot of soreness over the course of last year. Nothing major. Uh, mostly a clean out. And he's about 95% right now as far as Kevin Herter and. Um, Kevin Herter was one of the Warriors last year. He was one of the most consistent players outside of John Collins as far as health and availability for the Atlanta Hawks. And he showed in his confidence and how he got better and better and better throughout the year with more playing time, with more touches on the offensive end and him getting better on a defensive end, which makes him very valuable. Next offseason, he is up for an extension. They did not come to terms yet. Um, they they asked about it media day. Said that we're still working on an extension. Obviously, he said he hopes something can get done, but there obviously is no guarantees. And um, before, and, and I'm gonna mention the last quote, then we're gonna go back to that quote as far as the extension goes. David and Herder said he just wants to prove that he can be consistent over the course of a full season, and he also wants to be available every night. Um, that's another goal for him this upcoming season. He was. Consistent, especially towards the latter half of the year last year. He was available, so I'm glad that he wants to improve in those things. But about the, back to his extension, do you think it will get done? And if not, uh, where do you see his uh, value as far as the fr- uh, restricted free agent market going into next offseason? Well, you know, based on the history of the Atlanta Hawks and their restricted free agents, I would assume that this is a negotiation that will happen after the season, um, very similar to the situation with John Collins. Uh, but in regards to what I anticipate for his contract, uh, Kevin Herter going to get a big bag. Um, Duncan Robinson got about $90 million. So I would expect Kevin Herter to find himself very well in that territory, um, whether it be from the Atlanta Hawks or through the suiting of another front office, um, because this is a guy who is a much bigger specimen than Kevin Herter, or I'm sorry, than Duncan Robinson, um, and in that regard, has much more versatility. Uh, Duncan Robinson is really, you know, your your perimeter-based scorer. He is your your pick-and-pop kind of guy. Um, Kevin Herter can do all those, plus with his frame, has a lot of defensive potential, and you saw some of that flashed um, in their victory over the 76ers, uh, last year leading up to the Eastern Conference Finals. So Kevin Herter is definitely a very, very valuable type of talent in the modern NBA. Uh, I think Atlanta recognizes that as well. So I would anticipate them to work something out. Um, everybody in the city of Atlanta already knows they love that lemon cake, but it seems 
They now got a taste for the red velvet. So I don't anticipate that going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, they love Kavon Herter. They call him Kavon down here, uh, Mr. Red Velvet. And I, I know <laughs> Shaq said he'll never call him that, but it's okay. I, it's a smooth nickname. Uh, Okongu was present in media day as well. It said the shoulder is doing well. Rehab is going well as well. Um, that's a lot of wells. Uh, shout out Bonzi Wells. But uh, he said that he's been working his tail off to try to get healed as soon as possible. It says it's very realistic. And he has, a, as far as his goal of when he wants to be back, he wants to be back by December 11th, which is his birthday. And he will be turning the big 2-1. So happy early, early birthday. And coming back from injury would be a great present for your 21st birthday on December 11th. And if you want to be healthy then, 21-21, yeah, uh, knife talk. Uh, and if that were to happen, his the first game would cake. <laughs> Uh, if that were to happen, if he was healthy, deemed healthy on December 11th on his birthday, first game back would be a home game versus the Houston Rockets on December 11th, which is good. Be back home. Uh, dare I say it, inferior opponent. Obviously, everyone gets paid in the NBA. Uh, anything can happen any given night, but an inferior opponent in the Houston uh, Rockets at home on December 13th. Great game to be back coming back for and easing back into the swing of things and you play the Orlando Magic the next game two days later on the road so a short little road trip uh after his first game potentially back against Houston before you take on the Nuggets which two games probably going to rest in that third game but uh, I would certainly like to see Oyeka Okongu back sooner rather than later especially after what we saw down the stretch there you know from honestly from about late February, early March through the rest of the season, his consistency on the defensive end, how he continues to improve about as far as finishing around the rim. And I just wish he was healthy going into camp to see what else he can grow on the offensive end. So Ayeka Okongu, one of the bigger surprises in the draft last year, David? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you, I know you, how you feel about Okongu, but yeah, I like him a lot. Um, like I said, man, the Hawks do a really good job, in my opinion, not only with player development, but with draft selection. So I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of some other guys I know you're going to talk about as well. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, speaking of draft, Jalen Johnson, he spoke on the media today uh, for the first time as an Atlanta Hawk as far as going into an NBA season. And Jalen Johnson said he's been working a lot on his jump shot, his handles, and and pretty much every aspect of his game in the offseason. He said, I'm working on my craft every day, trying to improve and be better as a basketball player. Uh, Jalen Johnson said he's been getting some pointers and advice from John Collins in working out prior to training camp. I love hearing that because we've seen, you know, the trajectory that John Collins has taken from a guy similar build as Jalen Johnson and how he's improved as a shooter as he's been in the NBA. Great, great resource. Jalen Johnson, you're already doing a great job early on as an Atlanta Hawk. And he said that he's had some open runs with the Hawks. And um, his number one takeaway from his runs uh, before the training camp is that the Hawks are going to be good. I love hearing that as well. And he said that his mindset right now is do whatever Coach McMillan asks asks of him. Coach McMillan says that Jalen Johnson is a very skillful player, notes that he checks a lot of boxes, a lot of boxes, and told him, I told Johnson just to be aggressive 
uh, noting that we already know that you can push the ball and rebound, just be aggressive and continue to get better. And depending on how he comes into camp and how quickly he picks up things, I think he's going to be a big impact on this Hawks team sooner rather than later. What is your thoughts on Jalen Johnson uh, going into camp? Obviously, we're not banking him having a ton of minutes, even with Okongu out. Uh, that's why they got Gorgie Dang to take that Okongu minutes to back up, you know, front court player minutes mostly uh, as a vet. But where do you see Jalen Johnson in this in this mix, depending on how he comes into camp? I think that the Hawks just continue, like I said, to build the depth on their roster um, with very, very versatile and valuable positions. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I, I definitely like. I definitely like everything that I'm hearing from him. Um, this is a young guy who, you know, has a lot of energy. Again, like I know that we, you know, you know, we keep talking about how young the Hawks roster is, but it's so important to just emphasize, like, with that youth and that energy, that is just going to be so important during the regular season to really power them through a lot of these games. And that's why I think that the Hawks could end up surprising a lot of people with where they find themselves in the standings at the end of the regular season, um, just because a lot of these other teams are not built in a similar mold. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, again, he's young coming in his rookie season, but I'm very excited to see the run that he does get. Um, and I think that there's a lot of potential there. I do as well. I, re- I truly think that, and I can really continue to say this, when the Gallinari's contract expires, I think Jalen Johnson is going to be the guy who fills that Gallinari role. Um, and maybe that's why that question was asked about Gallinari's role coming, coming into the season uh, with the addition of Jalen Johnson. But I don't think it's now. Obviously, this guy's a rookie. I don't expect him to do that. But if he's surprised, it's a pleasant surprise to have the luxury of having both of them on your team. But I think once Gallinari's contract expires, I think Jalen Johnson is going to take that Gallinari role um, on this uh, on this Hawks roster. And last but certainly not least, my one of my favorite candidates for DPOY last year, Clint Capella. He's back. Um, he was he talked about how he's happy to hey John Collins is back. Hey, Trey Young got a long term deal. And but hey, we're happy we have you too, Capella. You you surprised a lot of people. So don't sell yourself short, big man. Um and speaking of John Collins, when they asked John Collins about other teams and free agents, uh, how serious were they? He said they nothing really got too far. There wasn't really anything tangible, but he's great he's happy to be back here in Atlanta. Clint Capella obviously said that, but Clint Capella right now dealing with an Achilles issue. He said he played with it pretty much the whole whole year last year, dealing with the Achilles. He says it's getting better, but the focus is being ready for the regular season. He's still ramping up, uh, but he's not there yet. And I know, um, by the way, guys, David did a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm let you – I'm going to give this to you, David, because you mentioned Capella on um, the show with Alan, our friend. Uh, so this is a chance to plug that show and obviously talk about – uh, why Capella is important as far as his Achilles going into the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely check out that pod that we just did. I guess the YouTube live show. Um, there's a link on all the social media channels, and we'll definitely plug those at the end. But, yeah, Capella is so important. His health is so important to them because he really anchors that team on both ends of the floor. Um, he really gives them, you know, that verticality offensively and defensively, as well as protecting the rim, attacking the rim. 
uh, rebounding. Uh, he does a very good job, in my opinion, you know, really switching out on guards. We saw a lot of that during his series when he was going against the Warriors in Houston. So that's that's far from, you know, breaking news. But Capella's health is so, so important. And, you know, that's why I think credit to the Hawks for the way that they draft. You know, they draft in this next man up kind of approach where you have a lot of these younger bigs who are going to be able to really learn from Capella as a guy who has molded himself um, to fit and really maximize his skill set in the modern NBA. Um, you kind of have an in-house product already finished for a lot of these younger rookies um, to, you know, hopefully evolve into. So definitely, definitely helps. But you really, really need Capella for the majority of this season because when when he is out there, the Hawks are. They're, 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 really, they're, they're really something special. Yeah, uh, especially with, you know, Capella last year averaging 15 points and 13 rebounds a game, uh, almost 14 rebounds a game in a block and a half. Uh, he was definitely a force in the paint and a very stabilizing force. So we really need for him to be healthy and improve in the free throw shooting, like I said in the last episode. Check out that episode if you have not. And obviously check out uh, the live YouTube show with Alan and David. And we're going to plug that at the end of this episode and we've already kind of alluded to the rest of the eastern conference uh, you talked about that on your live show as well um so we're going to make this relatively quick we're going to start off with the southeast division in which the hawks won last year if you're not familiar with the southeast division it is the hawks it is the miami heat the orlando magic the charlotte hornets and the washington wizards um I want to get your takes on a division. I kind of know where you're going to go. It's going to be Atlanta or Miami. And with the addition, so my question here is, it's going to be two. I'm going to ask three questions about the Southeast division. One, what do you see Miami at in the division? Two, uh, what is your thoughts on the Hornets? Are they going to make that next step this year? And then three, uh, what what's going to happen? What, what, what the hell is going on in Washington? Well, I guess let's start with three and go work our way back down. Three, Washington, I don't really know what the hell is going on. I'll be honest with you. It was interesting to see the the news come out this morning about how Westbrook had wanted Beal to also leave Washington with him, and Beal wasn't interested in that. Um, Beal also apparently is interested in being vaccinated, um, which is also very, very interesting um, given a lot of the situations in other markets, and that continues to evolve in Washington. Um, but yeah, Beal has basically said, well, I don't know why I'd get vaccinated when people who are vaccinated are still getting COVID. And I saw a lot of Twitter reactions uh, that basically said, yeah, why would I wear a seatbelt when I could still get in a car accident? You know, so <laughs> you know, personal beliefs are their own, you know, um, and the consequences that come from that will be the ones that I'm sure Brad Beal is very aware of. So that situation remains to be seen. Um, not to mention all the new faces that they have in there, Dinwiddie, Kuzma, Harrell, et cetera, as well as Rui Achimura being out indefinitely right now for personal reasons. So a lot of question marks right now with Washington, which fortunately for them is right where they left off. So the story of the Washington Wizards and whatever kind of alchemy they're working over there continues. Um, in regards to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, hopefully the days of the MJ crying face are behind us um, because the franchise looks like they could be pretty good shape going forward. I mean, LaMelo Ball is a real deal. Are we going to get a full healthy season out of Gordon Hayward? Eh, who knows? But if we do, that would help. Um, you know, the the Air Bridges show continues to be entertaining. Um, you know, they lost Malik Monk. They lost Devontae Graham. 
but they still have a lot of very valuable pieces there. Um, and they still have a lot of guys who love to score. And one of them is Scary Terry, who went from scary offensively to scary offensively. This is a guy who used to not be able to find the bottom of a bucket uh, to only being able to be a bucket. You know, Rogier has really, really taken off. Um, so I think the Hornets are going to be a really fun team to watch. Um, they are they are slowly eking out of the league pass all-star territory into just legitimate fun team to be a fan of. Um, not saying I'm ever going to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. No offense, MJ. I buy your shoes, but I'm not going to buy those tickets. Uh, but it, it, it's definitely it's it, it's it is uh it is something to watch. Uh, and then Miami Heat, I think that this is again one of those teams in the East that has the most amount of variance as far as their regular season. Um, do they rest a lot of guys? You know, Lowry, Butler, Tucker, Kyle. You know, do, where does Miami find themselves? Because I mean, from what we've seen thus far, Miami is the type of team who feels like we know who we have. Let's get through the season and we'll lock in for playoffs. They're not really worried about a seed as long as they're not in the play-in. Um, and with that being said, that's where I think a lot of opportunity comes into play for teams like the Celtics, like the Hawks, um, like the Knicks, you know, like the Hornets. You know, th- th- there's opportunity there, uh, depending on where Miami finds themselves. So that is definitely a team I'm going to be watching very closely. Um, they have a lot of potential. They they can be really scary if everybody's healthy. I mean, Adebayo, Lowry, Butler, Tucker, all defensively, that is something that I think even Brooklyn, with as much talent as they have, does not really relish the idea of having to go against in the first round, um, you know, because you're going to probably have to beat them one way or another, depending on the draw. So Miami has a lot of variance there. I'm going to be watching them very closely. Um, but with all that being said, all of it leads back to the Atlanta Hawks and the sky high ceiling that they have uh, to finish the season um, in, a, in a pretty good place as far as standing in the Eastern Conference. And the Hawks were pretty successful against the Heat last year. So I expect them. That's going to be a very that's going to be very tightly contested games. Um, they were last year. I expect them to be as well, being a divisional rival. Um, I'm really excited to watch those matchups to see. Um, what Nick McMillan does as far as the game plan and obviously Eric Spolster, who is a great, you know, in-game adjuster, in-game to game adjuster. Uh, that's why he has the rings that he does outside of the talent that was in Miami at that time. But he does a really good job of creating a game plan to win. Uh, this team rarely, rarely, rarely tanks. And that's just because of, you know, Pat O'Reilly and that organization in Miami. And I'm going to ask you this question, at least until talking about the top eight, your top eight in the East, does the Southeast division get three teams into the playoffs this year? Uh, and I'm those three are obviously, I'm going to say Atlanta, obviously the Hornets in Miami. Do you see three getting in to the top eight this year? Hmm. You know, I think that that's a very real possibility. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily sold that the Knicks will not be in the plan. I'm not necessarily sold uh, that the Celtics, you know, will not be in the plan. Um, there is so much variance in the Eastern Conference because you have a lot of these teams that are swinging for the fences. And if they hit, it could be an absolute home run. But, you know, hey, bad about a swing if they miss. It could be a disaster. So uh, I think that there's a really high possibility for that. Um, I haven't been a betting man thus far, but yeah, sure, Brad, I'll take you up on that. I'll, I'll give I'll give the division three teams. If that's including three the play-in, teams. I think that that's very possible. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm including the plan in, in this. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, definitely. Because, because Chicago has is going to have something to say about it as well. Um, I think Cleveland's going to be a tough out, not as far as being a play-in team, but um, just teams that in the Hawks season, the second game of the season, and the Hawks were two and uh, one and two last year against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, but that's, I think they're going to be a tough team as well. Who knows with Indiana? Um, I think the only for sure dud in the East that I can point to right now is the Orlando Magic. I don't know how much Cold World is going to make a difference on that team, especially when you already have a, a doppelganger and Cole Anthony on your team if you're uh, J. Cole. Uh, shout out Jermaine. Shout out Jermaine. One of the you know best rappers of all time, in my opinion. But I feel like Orlando in the East is the only team. And obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Toronto. Siakam was a big piece there. Uh, they, they lose Lowry. Uh, but I, for sure, I can say Orlando is probably the one team that's probably not going to be great next year in the East. But I think that the East did get better. And so as far as when you're looking at your top eight, um, I mean, we already have, you know, the Bucks, the Nets, uh, Philly, regardless, I think Philly's going to be a top eight team. The Hawks there, Miami. After five, it's really up in the air. Um, like I said, I can see the Hornets being there. I can see the Knicks being there. I can see the Celtics being there, the Bulls. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. So as far as when you said that you don't know if the Hawks can get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, that wasn't a slap in the face to the Hawks. It's that the East got better. Uh, there's teams that got healthier, i.e. the Brooklyn Nets. And arguably, arguably, if the Brooklyn Nets were healthy last year, they probably Milwaukee wouldn't have won. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to call it how I see it. I, I, they wouldn't have won um, with a healthy Brooklyn Nets team. So just a, it's a lot of there's some teams, you know, who are going to be there. But there's some uncertainty in the bottom of the roster. And I think it's going to make the regular season even more entertaining in the Eastern Conference because their conference is better. And game in, game out, you're going to have to bring it because. Cleveland can beat you in a game. We saw that last year. They beat some pretty good teams. Um, even with even when the talent gap was wide, um, they beat some teams last year. The Bulls are going to be a lot better this year. Uh, as much as I kind of dismiss the Orlando Magic, I think the Orlando Magic are going to play hard because they have a lot of young players, and they're going to be tough outs, and they can surprise some teams. Um, so uh, your thoughts on the Eastern Conference, and uh, obviously we talked about health. Uh, but who do the Hawks really need to look out for um, if they want to get back to where they were last year? Well, I mean, they really got to look out for everybody because everybody's going to be coming for them. Facts. I mean, yeah, yeah. Th- there's really nobody out there that I think that the Hawks can just write off, um, especially depending on health and availability of the players on their roster. So. Again, I think that's what is so important to, you know, the youth component of their team. There is a sense of urgency night in and night out to win games. Um, And I think looking around the room and seeing how hungry all the rest of these players are um, across not only the conference, but the league. uh, There's a lot of emphasis on them to win as many games as possible because you see, um, you know, had Brooklyn maybe won a couple more games last season, it would have been them drawing the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, uh, you know, or perhaps it would have been them playing the Hawks to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, you know, the the, the difference of a couple regular season games as far as seeding, um, that difference cannot be understated enough when you see it time and time again in the postseason when teams come up short 
um, in what, unfortunately for them, is uh, a less than appetizing matchup in an opening round in the playoffs. Yeah. In other words, this is a really good time to watch the NBA with the improvement in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, the West is the West. Uh, the talent in the league, the young talent in the league, you still have some of the uh, faces of the league still around with LeBron James and others. Uh, this is a great time to watch the NBA, and it's a great time to be a Hawks fan with so much promise, but not there, there, nothing certain. And I love if we go back to the comments that these players made in media day. Last year was last year. They're hungrier for this year. They're hungry to get better. They're hungry to grow more because they know that there's a target on their back. And I think it just makes it more fun. And it's, it's going to be a great product. Obviously, we have to get through vaccinations and COVID protocols and whatnot. But it's going to be a fun product as far as the NBA goes. So I know that I'm excited. That's why Media Day is such an exciting day. That's why this is an exciting episode. And I was excited to bring... My boy, King Drip, back here on the program. David, I want to thank you for coming onto the program today to talk Hawks, to talk the Eastern Conference Media Day. Tell them how they can connect with you and what you got going on, because you are a busy, busy man as well. And you know, I just want everybody to give you your flowers uh, while you are ascending to the top penthouse, with, like I see you going. Oh, man. Well, I'm trying to get all the way to the top, you know, and, and I wouldn't be able to get there without all the amazing contributors that we have in the network, you included. So I appreciate everybody and the opportunities they afford me to come on to their individual shows and platforms and, you know, speak the good word, the good word in the NBA, because it is a good word, Brad. NBA our way all day, every day. And it is an absolute pleasure to come on here and talk specifically about the Atlanta Hawks. But People can find me on Instagram and Twitter, DFB underscore three. You can also check me out. I'm going to be hosting um, and a recurring voice on our YouTube channel. We're going to have a lot of awesome content coming out there. Brad will also be a regular guest as well. We're going to be talking everything NBA, um, on the court, off the court, fantasy, and otherwise. So definitely come over there, get your fix. We're very, very excited about that. Um, and as always, make sure you're checking out everything on hoop ball as a whole check out our website subscribe to all of our fantasy info um get up get at us on twitter make sure you're doing your sports betting with our advice um and of course you know if you're atlanta hawks fan you're already listening to this podcast so i don't need to tell you about the man you already know the man b jared you know make sure you give him a follow give him a holler and by all means make sure you give him a five star review okay five star five star five stars for the boy okay because he is absolutely taken off just like the hawks um and the continued ascension is an absolute marvelous one. So, Brad, like I said, my man, really, really appreciate you having me on. Um, never too busy, never too busy, um, and always, always thankful for the opportunity. Man, I appreciate the love. I appreciate um, your comments and your sentiments. Uh, you took everything else I was going to say to end the program. Um, you heard the man, and when you and David, real quick, when you were throwing all the ways out, I thought you were going to throw out a DDD dot K way. Uh, K Camp, I thought you were going to throw that out too. You were mentioning all the ways there. Um, it's rare sounds over here. Rare sound, rare sound. Very underrated. Shout out K Camp here in Atlanta. Uh, like you, you heard the man. You love what you heard. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. The season is upon us. Training camp is about to be here. We are knocking on the door. So share with fellow Hawks fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans, NBA fans, everybody willing to listen to this podcast. Uh, 
Shout out to my boy, D. Brace. Y'all give him some love. Give our program some love as well. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallHawks. On Twitter, that is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. Aha! I just want to do that to end the program. <laughs> I just want to do that to end the program, David. David going to be mad. Uh, I'm probably going to get yelled at for doing that because I know how you feel about Colin Cowherd. But um, scrap that. Act like that didn't happen. We'll catch y'all on the next episode of Hoop Ball Hawks with the season gearing up. And it's always and always a pleasure to serve you, the people. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.